Well, hey, welcome to Central. My name's Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here. And have you ever wished that like life came with a GPS system? I mean, like turn by turn directions. Uh, my, my family and I, we've lived here in San Jose for, for 24 months now. And pretty much everywhere I go, I still turn on my GPS. I'm like, I need directions like virtually everywhere just to get around and to navigate this city. But, but how, how nice would it be if life had a GPS? Like, like date this person, uh, don't like that. Uh, you know, invest in this stock. Here's the job you need to take. Like how, how awesome would that be? Well, the good news today is that you can have real direction in real time, being a real person on this real journey as we go through life together. The Bible actually says that there's, there's a GPS system that can be a lamp that guides your feet. It can provide light and illuminate the best path to take and, and it can carry you through your entire life. And now this, this GPS system won't tell you uh, where you should eat lunch today, but it'll help you navigate uh, every life situation that you and I encounter. Before we, we jump in, just want to give a quick recap. We are in week two of our series throughout the book of James. We're going verse by verse throughout the, the entire book of this, the, this book called James. And uh, we read last week in James chapter one that the author is this guy named James, and he's writing to a scattered church. It starts off to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, uh, greetings. And, uh, and isn't it nice to know that we're not the first scattered church, uh, but this church was scattered and, and we are too. We're scattered physically. Some of us are scattered mentally. Some of us are scattered emotionally. Some of us are, 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 are scattered relationally. Like we're, we're in a scattered, scattered time and James is writing to a scattered church. And what I love about the book of James is very hands-on. It's very practical. The book of James is often called the Proverbs of the New Testament, uh, which basically just means like it's, they're, they're short, concise statements that are very actionable and very relevant to our daily, daily life. And out of the gate, what we learned last week that as followers of Jesus, uh, just because we, we were, we're Christians, just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean life's going to be a bed of of roses. As a matter of fact, it, it, it promises trials. And, uh, and James, out of the gate, he says there's three things that really are the litmus test to how, how our faith is, how we're doing, how strong our faith is. And the, the, the first is, is the trials of life. That'll test our, our faith. The second is temptation in life. And we all face temptation in life. And today we're going to look at, at the third, and that is, is the Word of God. How, how readily are we, are we taking action on applying the word of God to our life? So really, really three, three tests. We talked about the first two last week. This week we're talking about how do we respond to, to God's word whenever we receive it. So, so today I'm just going to read you the whole, whole section of where we're going to be uh, camped out today. Then we're going to look at it verse by verse and work our way through. So we're going to start in James chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 16. And it says this. Uh, do not be deceived, dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now I'm going to highlight for you a, a few times here the word, because over and over you're going to see this. James talks about the word, the word, the word. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Verse 19, uh, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues to do it, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Five times there, five times in that short section, James mentions the word. He calls it the word of truth, the word, the word, the word, the perfect law that gives freedom, all pointing to the priority of the word of God in our lives. And here's why the word of God is so important, because check this out. What you, when you think right, you, you can do right, you can act right, and that leads to, to feeling right. When we think right, we can do right, and that leads to us feeling right. Uh, Paul, he, he learned this. He, he learned this through, through ups and downs, through, through good times and bad. And in Philippians, he says this, Philippians 4, 12 through 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to to have plenty. Check it out. He's like, I've cracked the code. He's like, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's a man who learned to think right, to do right. Therefore, it led to, to feeling right. And he learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Uh, let's go back to, to this, this, this reality here because the reason I just believe that our society has tied ourselves in knots as a culture is because we got this backwards. Here's what society will say. If it feels right, you should do it. And somehow that will unlock your thinking so that you begin to think right because after all, you gotta be true to, true to yourself. Uh, but but that's, that's just backwards. And, and here's why. Because the Bible actually says that doesn't make a whole lot of, whole lot of sense. Because in Proverbs 14, 12, we talked about this last week, uh, there's a path before each person. And here's the challenge. It seems right. It'll feel right. It might look right. But here's the challenge with it. In the end, it leads to, it's not good. It leads to, leads to death. And so if we're teaching a generation to do whatever feels right, we're pointing them towards this, this not desirable result. We're pointing them towards death. And we're seeing this play out in our society right before our eyes. Mental illness is through the roof. We are more, we're a more addicted generation than any generation throughout the history of the world. We're a more medicated generation than any generation prior in the history of humanity. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. And why? Because there's a path before each of us. It feels right. It looks right. It seems right. But in the end, it ties us in knots. 
And what James is going to tell us, he's going to say, we got to anchor ourselves in truth beyond ourselves. we got to anchor ourselves in the word of God. And if the word of God is not the ultimate authority in your life, then, then we're missing out. And if there's just one thing that I believe is crucial in our times for you to read and understand and apply the word of God to your life. If there's one thing that I could admonish you to do throughout this global pandemic is as this season of being a scattered church, it's to know, read, digest, apply the word of God to your life. Because over and over, the Bible, it, it refers as, a, as an anchor for our souls. So, so otherwise, we just get battered around like a kite in a tornado storm. Like it's just not gonna go, just not gonna go well for us. And I would say this as well. If there's one area of Christianity that is under assault by society, and not to creep anybody out, but I just believe it's all orchestrated by, by your great enemy, the, the, the devil. What's under assault the most is the authority, the authenticity of the word of God. And how applicable is it for us today and in our day-to-day Life And as your pastor, uh, one of my greatest concerns for your life and for our society is that. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Are you reading the word of God? Are you, are you applying it? Do you believe it to be the authoritative word of God in your life? Or are we buying lies like it's full of flaws and, and we can accept some parts of it, but, but maybe not Maybe not all of it. So, so let, let's look at the first words actually out of, out of the devil's mouth because I think it kind of sets up the, the framework of his game plan from the beginning of time. And we see this played out in our own lives personally in our society at large. And here it is in Genesis chapter three and verse one. It says this, did God really say that? And as you talk to people, like they're okay with spiritual realities. They may be very spiritual People, But when it comes to anchoring our lives in the word of God, this question comes up. Does God really want me to do that? Does God really expect that of me? Like, what about, what about this? Does God really say that? And always questioning, always trying to get you to doubt. He's always trying to distract you from, from making the word of God a priority in our lives. I'm just saying this is the enemy's number one objective to get you to doubt the word in your life. And now while reading the word, understanding, applying it to our life is the single most important discipline. It's just the most important discipline in our, in our lives, especially in the midst of this global pandemic. Why? Why? Once again, because there's a way, there's a way that seems right to us, it says in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right to you, but in the end, it, it leads to death. So we need to anchor ourselves in truth beyond ourselves. And so here's the question. I want to just invite you to wrestle with this question individually, collectively. Perhaps the the most important question that you could wrestle to the ground in 2021 is this. What is going to be the basis for how I live my life? And really, I think there's two options. We can live life according to the world or according to the word. And this is really it what is going to be the basis for how I live my life? Like who calls the shots? Me and, and myself and, and how I operate here in this world or am I going to allow the word of God to have authority in my life? And if you wrestle with that question and maybe you're like, I don't know, like I, I got a whole lot more questions than I do answers than then you're really asking, like, can I trust the Bible? Then I would just invite you uh, to join a group that's going to be, be kicking off uh, just the week 
after tomorrow. So it's going to start on February 8th and go through March 15th. Uh, it's going to meet from 7 uh, to 8.15 p.m. on Monday nights on Zoom. Everyone can join, whether you're, 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 you're in San Jose or another state or another country, you can be a part of this. Richard Rock's going to be hosting it. Uh, I made the link available to you in the message notes for quick access. You can just click that link, sign up. It'd be very beneficial. Perhaps the most important question that you can wrestle to the ground is this question. What, what's going to be the basis for my life? Am I going to call the shots? Am I going to go by the world standards or am I going to live? Live, live by the word of God. Uh, the psalmist, he wrestled this question to the ground in Psalms 119. He states his response. He says, says I am worn out for waiting uh, for you to rescue me. He's like, life's been tough. It's not going well, but I've settled something in my heart. But, my, but I have put my hope in your, I put my hope in your word. I put my hope in your word. He made up his mind. He settled the matter once and for all. And, and I, just, I just know, like, hey, it's not easy. These are, these are tough times. 2020 will go down as one of the toughest years in the history of humanity. Like, like 2021 is on the same trajectory to go down that same path. Uh, but, but in the midst of life's ups and downs, we can have hope as an anchor for our souls. It's, and it's anchored in his in his word. And Jesus actually told us the same thing. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. Uh, Jesus said this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So that's important. We need to hear the word, then we need to put it into practice. He's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, well, he's kind of like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it came down. It fell with a great crash. Listen, uh, life is going to come at you fierce. Like <laughs> storms will come, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you don't believe any of it. But here's, here's the hope that I have for you. Let's be people who build our, our house, our lives on the rock, on the word of God. So when, when life gets tough, we, we have a solid foundation. Otherwise, man, it's just all it's just all gonna crumble. So today, James is gonna give us three attitudes towards the word of God. And my prayer for everyone watching this, everyone who's, who's hearing my voice right now, that you would take these three attitudes towards reading the word of God. And the first attitude is this. Now, let's be people who gratefully receive the truth that can save us. The truth that save us. Let's gratefully Receive it. Not only Jesus can, can save us, but the message of God's saving grace, it's found right here in the word of God. Let's great, gratefully receive it. James says this in James uh, 16 through 18. It says, don't be deceived, uh, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is coming down from, a, from above, from the Father of heavenly lights. And, and just as a reminder that everything good in your life, it's a gift from God. Let's be grateful people. Let's be, have an attitude of gratitude. God, you've been so gracious to me. And I would just say this, you know, for me, for probably over half of my life, I'm not sure, so sure I believe that. Like I, I knew God was big. I knew God was powerful, but I'm not, I wasn't so sure that he was a good gift giver. I thought God was just this cosmic buzzkill, but, but, but God is the giver of good gifts. And, and what I discovered when I finally went all in with God, when I aligned my life to the word of God, I came alive. 
what I thought would bring restriction actually brought freedom, and it'll do the same in your life. Every good and perfect gift, it comes down from above, from the, the, the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And he chose to give you birth through the word of truth that we may be, may be a kind of first fruits. I'm going to talk about that in a minute of all he created. How, how do we receive new life? Well, it, it says it comes through the word of truth. Uh, Paul would say this in, in Romans 10, 17. He says, so then faith, like that, that sparks us, that leads us to this relationship with God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's true for every single person, if you've been saved, you're a follower of Jesus, you've been rescued by his grace. Someone was sharing the word of God with you. And in that moment, faith was birthed in your heart and you responded, you took action. We've been given birth through the word of God. Truth, And then it, it says this, that, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, well, well James was writing to a, an agricultural society. And in this society, they, they, they grew uh, produce, like they, they grew their, their livelihood. And what would take place is that they would give back to God the, the first fruits. Uh, this is where we get the idea of tithing and the first 10%. It's dedicated. It's set aside. It, it comes right off of the top and it's given back, given back to God. And they would do this joyfully because in an agricultural society, you know that the, the produce, what the byproduct of your work comes from the ground. Like you didn't do anything to do it. Like you just planted the seed, you did the work, but God made it grow. And as an attitude of worship, as an attitude of gratitude, we say, God, here's the first fruits. Thank you for being so generous to me. It's the first fruits. Uh, we see this principle threaded throughout the entire Bible. That's why we, we gather together and we worship on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's our, our way of saying, God, this week we're putting you first. And, and by you being in this online experience, you're, you're putting God first this week. As a church, we kicked off the year with 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. It's our way of saying, God, we're putting you first in 2021. It's kind of a, a first fruits of, of our year. The first was always devoted to God, not to anyone or anything else. All goes to God. And now in James, he, what he's saying here, he plays off that imagery, but, but there's a little bit of a plot twist here. Now, now he's not simply saying you give 10% of what you have to God. He's saying you are the first fruits. It's your it's your life. You, he says this, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. In other words, all that I am, I'm going all in. God, all that I am, I'm exclusively yours. God, my life is yours. My money is yours. My time is yours. My family, my influence, my dreams, my career, my hopes, my desires. God, it's, I'm giving it all to you. We are the kind of, of first fruits of all he, he created. It's an attitude change. It's, it's an attitude that says, it's not, it doesn't say like, man, I guess I can't sin because I don't want to go to hell anymore. It's no, 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 no. God, you've, you've been so good to me in my whole life. I, I've got a, just a taste. I've had a hint. I've got a, just a glimpse of how good you are, of what you've rescued me from. And my only proper response is to say, God, my life, it's It's yours. There's an old song that sums up this attitude that James is trying to communicate here, and he communicates it in these words. It says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my greatest gain, I count it a loss. 
and I actually pour contempt on all my pride. And it goes on to say this, we're the whole realm of nature mine. In other words, if I possessed the whole world, that, that would be a present far too small. And it says this, and I love this, because love, so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all. It's an attitude. It's an attitude that says, God, I'm, I'm all yours. I'm all in. I, I want to be that kind of first fruit of all you created because you've given me birth through the word of truth, and I'm just grateful to receive it. Let's gratefully receive the truth that saved me. And the second attitude towards God's word is let's, let's humbly accept the truth that confronts me. See, James says we've got to humbly accept the truth, and it, it kind of gets in our Cheerios a bit. Here's what he says in, in James chapter 1 and verse, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, and we don't really do that. We should be slow to speak. We don't really do that. We should be slow to get angry. We really struggle with that. Because man's anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. And, and we're going to unpack this more in, in a couple weeks when we get to, to chapter 3. But, but it goes on to say this and it continues to kind of confront us. It says, therefore, get rid of all, all moral filth. And ouch, that one, that one kind of hurts. And the evil that's so prevalent. And he says this, and humbly accept the word planted in you. Listen, there's a lot of pride out there about what is truth these days. And I'm just saying, let's be people who humbly accept the word. Whenever my feelings tell me one thing, but the word of truth tells me something else, God's word's right. But whenever culture tells me one thing and God's word tells me something else, I'm just, I'm just settling it, God's word's right. Whenever my desires tell me one thing and God's word tells me something else, God, your word's right. Because we should humbly accept the word planted in us and it, it can save us. And here, here's the point I'm trying to make. Uh, there will be times when, when reading the Bible, we're like, ouch, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't feel real good. That, that, I'm not sure I agree with that. When I, I read, I'm like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That, that demands a whole lot of me in this, this moment. And James is saying, you better humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Here's the challenge for many of us, for, for many churches, for, for many people, is that we like to pick and choose, don't we? Like, like we like to, I like this, but gosh, I'm not so sure about, I'm not so sure about that. My, my challenge to that mentality is, then who is God? Because if, if I pick and choose, well, God, I like this, but I don't like this, so I'm going to do this, but I, I'm not going to do this because I disagree with it, then who's behaving like God in that scenario? Tim Keller sums it up with this quote. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. There'll be times when reading the Bible, when reading God's word, where you think, wow, that's a tough one. And James is just saying, in those moments, humbly accept it. That word accept is an interesting word. Uh, it's the same word in the Greek that, that means to welcome someone in. So like when someone shows up at your door and knocks, like you got an opportunity. You, you make a choice in that moment, right? Unless we know someone's coming over, like we're, if you're like us, you're probably not going to open the door. I'm like, that's probably just an Amazon delivery or that's probably just someone trying to sell something. We're just, we're just not going to answer it. <clears throat> 
But that same, that same word there literally means to welcome someone in. It means when, someone, when God's word comes knocking, you say, hey, come on in. You, would you like a drink? You want some coffee? Can I get you a snack? You don't know where the conversation's going, but what James is saying, humbly accept it. Humbly open the door. Humbly embrace it, even whenever it confronts us. It's the same word that Paul would use in 1 Thessalonians 2, uh, verses 13. It says this, so, so we, we also thank God continually because when you received, that's the word there, you accepted it, you received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it, there it is, you opened the door, you welcomed it in, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Now I would just say this, and, and hear me out on this next statement, because I wrestled with whether I should put it in here or not, but it, but, but I think it's true. I think the mark of a God-changed heart is that I like God telling me how to live. I think the mark, maybe not of a God-changed heart, maybe a mature, God-shaped heart, is that I actually enjoy God telling me how, how to live. Now, I know there's probably not a whole lot of amens or clapping emojis in the chat right now after that statement, but, but hear me out. Uh, for example, I've been trying to improve my golf game. Uh, one of my goals for 2021 is to play a round of golf under 80 strokes, right? So break the 80 barrier. And so uh, it's caused me to go back and reevaluate really every aspect of, of my golf game. And so I started rereading this book uh, that Ben Hogan wrote called uh, Ben Hogan's Five Lessons, The Modern Fundamentals of Golf. And so I literally, I read this book like, a few months back, and I thought, you know what, I basically do all that, so I'm not going to give a whole lot of attention to it. Uh, but last week, I, I was, I was, kids were in bed, I was up, I was, I was listening to this, this book and, and reading it, and I, and I thought, I learned something about my golf grip. And normally, I'm not going to bore you with it because a lot of you don't care about golf, but I learned something about my golf grip, and I was so excited to try it because I thought, you know what, I haven't been doing that. That's correction I need in my golf swing to get to the, the goal that I want in, my, in my, my, that area of my life. And so I, I humbly accepted Ben Hogan's correction of my golf swing because I knew he knew best when it comes to that area of my life. Here, here's why that's, that's important. Because whenever it comes to the arena of life at large, who do you suppose knows best? God or, I mean, certainly God knows best. And so the mark of maturity is to say, man, I, I gladly, I, I'm excited. I was up in my living room in the middle of the night with a golf club swinging that puppy. Pray for my wife, like she tolerates a whole lot. But I was excited to receive that correction because I knew it would help me be better. I think that's a mark of maturity. In Psalm uh, 119, 43 through 46, it says this, uh, don't snatch your word of truth from me. For your regulations, look at this, it's my only hope. I put my hope here. I will keep on obeying your instructions. And here's the result, I'll obey them forever, and here's the result, I will walk in freedom. You wanna walk in freedom? Love the word of God, apply it to your life. For I have devoted myself to your commandments. Like I love the word of God, it says. It says, I will, I will speak to kings about your laws. Like I'm not gonna hold back just because I'm in the presence of royalty and I will not be ashamed. 
Like, I don't care what their position is. I don't care how influential they God, I love your word, and I'm going to talk about it. How I delight in your commands. How I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on all your decrees. He's like, I just, I just love it. I love the word. I love the correction it brings into into my life, and James is telling this scattered church, and he's telling you today, to anchor yourself in God's word. And here's what we need to do. We need to have this attitude that says, I'm gonna gratefully receive the truth that saves me. I'm gonna humbly accept the truth, even when it confronts me. And then third and final, I'm gonna intentionally embrace the truth that guides me. Intentionally embrace the truth that guides me. It says this in James 1, through 25, says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror. And the Bible refers to it as a mirror oftentimes. And it says, and after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, now think about this. It's using the analogy of the mirror. The, the word of God's like a mirror. And, and on, on your good day, let's consider a day that you're feeling good. You know what I mean? Like you're sexy, you're sexy and you know it, right? You got it going on, right? And you, you go throughout your whole day and you get home that night and you look in the mirror and like you got a hanger. You know what I'm talking about? Hanging out your schnoz. And you're like, over lunch, that bad boy must have grown an inch. How did no one tell me I had a hanger all day? And in that moment, you have a choice, right? You're confronted with this reality that you got, you got a hanger. Like if you're over the age of 30, you know what I'm talking about. These things happen. And you got a choice. You can pluck that bad boy out or you can keep going about your business. Keep going about your life, even though you know it's not all good up top, Right? And what James is saying, whenever you, you look into God's word and it confronts us, when we look into God's word and we see we got, we got a hanger, we can do something with it and change or we can keep, keep going. He's like, he's a man who looks at him face in the mirror and just, he just forgets it. But he says, Let, let's be people who intently Embrace the truth that guides me. He goes on to say this, uh, but whoever looks intently, and that, that's an interesting word there, that word intently. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. It's the same word that, that the Bible uses of Peter whenever he, he, he heard about Jesus, that, that he, was, he was no longer in the tomb. Like he rose from the dead. And the Bible says this in Luke 24, 12, he says, but Peter rose. And he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. One word here in the Greek. It's the same word, intently. He, he saw that there was linen cloth there by themselves, and he went on. He marveled at what had just happened. But, but the point here is that, that, that Peter didn't just walk by. He wasn't just checking this off his to-do list for the day. He, he intently, he stooped down. He's like, Are you, I can't believe what I'm seeing. This is, this is crazy. It, it's a posture change. It's a, it's a, it's a fixation. It's a, where my attention is devoted to. And James is saying, just as, as intently Peter was looking at him, look into the perfect law. It'll give you freedom. Intently. We look intently. It could be literally translated to stoop to a thing in order to look at it. It could be literally translated to look at with the head bowed forward, uh, to look into with the body bent. 
And just as Peter was looking intently, so we too can look to and examine and study God's word because it, it brings us freedom. It says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, pull the hangers out, they will be blessed in what they do. Uh, let's get practical here. Uh, here's the first thing. Here's what, here, what do you do with this message? Here, here's the first thing I would encourage you to do. Uh, number one, uh, get a paper Bible. Uh, now, I love technology. I, I read the Bible on my phone virtually every day. Actually, I have the Bible re read to me every day. Like I listen to the Bible. I do reading plans on the Bible. We're starting a new Bible reading plan on, on our phones through the, the YouVersion Bible app uh, today, tomorrow actually. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. It talks about how do we massage the word of God into our lives. So I'm not, I'm not advocating against that. I'm just saying what helps me personally to intently look into, into the perfect law that gives freedom is, is having a, a paper Bible. Whenever I'm studying for messages to present to you, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a hard copy. Whenever, whenever I, I'm in my own time with, with Jesus and I just need to receive something from him. This morning, I, I was in this and I, I was so excited to talk to my wife about what I read. because so I was like, man, I think I got something for you. L listen to this. And I think I got something for me that I need to change in my life. And let's check this out. And I'm just saying it helps me. Now, I would encourage you this with, with the paper Bible. Get a, get a Bible translation that you can understand. Whenever I read the Bible, my hard copy here, it's, it's the NIV version. Uh, whenever I listen to the Bible on my phone, I listen to the New Living Translation. It, it just, I just like the voice, honestly, better uh, of the guy reading to me. And, uh, but, but get one you can, you can understand. And then also I would encourage you, get one that has commentary with it. I would suggest getting an NIV study Bible. Uh, I actually put a link to Amazon uh, in the message notes. For under 40 bucks, you can get an NIV study Bible. And here's what that means. Like, here's the Bible text. And here's, here's all these notes explaining, like, what I just read. So if ever you get snagged or, or hung up, like, I don't know what this is, you can look below and, and have a scholar kind of help, help walk you and, and pastor you through those through those moments. Uh, so, so get a physical Bible. I think it will help you look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Second thing, set aside time to study, to read, study, and meditate on God's word, to, to, to read, just read it, like digest it, get, get it into you, uh, study it. That's where you pause and like you're gonna lean in a little bit more. Not, don't just leave it there in the morning, but meditate on it throughout the day. And this is actually an agricultural term. We, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, ruminate, ruminate. The psychologists, leading psychologists are now saying the number one cause of suicide is people ruminating on all the wrong things. Like they think about all that's wrong in their life and they just mull it over and over. But whenever you meditate on God's word, you think about it over and over throughout the day. You recall it back to your memory and it, it allows God to speak to you throughout, throughout your day and it leads to, to life transformation. So I would just encourage everyone, set aside a time, like set a goal. Man, tomorrow I'm gonna get up at this time and I'm gonna read for this amount of time. It was uh, Dr. Gail Matthews, a psychology professor at Dominican University, that found that people who write down their goals are 42% more likely to achieve them. You can increase your odds of doing this by 42% if you just write it down, set a goal. And then check this out. Uh, your, your likelihood of completing that goal actually goes up to 78% if you just simply write it down and then tell a friend. Tell somebody, hey, here's what I'm gonna read the Bible. If you could ask me about it next time we talk, that'd be awesome. You're gonna be 78% more likely to achieve, achieve your goal according to Dr. Gail Matthews. 
Uh, then the next one is to just create, get a Bible reading plan. Like the worst thing is to like, this is a big, the Bible's big. So if you just go at it and just open it up and start reading, that's going to be very, very frustrating. If you're new to studying the Bible, I would encourage you just, just start in the New Testament. Start in Matthew and go verse by verse throughout the entire New Testament. And once you're done with that, I'd start in the front of the Bible. Just go Genesis all the way through Revelation. Read the Bible verse, verse by verse. Get a Bible reading plan. We got Bible reading plans we do as a church. We'd love for you to join those. Um, and then don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. We've been talking about this. Like there's going to be some things that feel a little sticky. Like, ouch, that hurts. Like forgive your enemies. That's a hard one. Like bless those who curse you. That's not real comfortable, but just take action. Don't just read the Bible. Let the Bible read you. Say, where are you struggling? Where, where do I need to shore some things up? And it'll strengthen you throughout your walk. And again, I would encourage everyone, if you, if you doubt whether this is practical or authoritative for your day-to-day life, I would just encourage you, join Richard Rock's group. It's going to start again in, in, in just a couple weeks, and uh, it's only going to go till, till March, a little over a month. It's online, no reason not to, 7 to 8, it'd be awesome. That's specific standard time for those of you that are in different different time zones. And then finally, the book of James, uh, our verse today in verse, uh, chapter one, verse 27, chapter one closes with this, that the religion that God the Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, you become a person of justice. You're, you're about helping, speaking up for those who are oppressed. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. In other words, you become a person of righteousness. The word of God has the ability to produce this in us. We desire to do these things whenever we're, we're anchored in the word of, of truth. And we live in a day and age that has actually polarized these two things. We have uh, liberal churches with liberal people and liberal theology that say, hey, it's all about justice. It's all about advocate. Advocate for this. We need to advocate for that. We need to advocate for this. But they, they don't give a rip about, about, about being polluted by the world and, and living a, a righteous life. And then you have the other side, these, the, these super conservatives, and, and they don't advocate for anything, but man, they'll be quick to tell you where you're wrong in your life and how you're not doing right. And what I love about God, he says, no, 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 no. It's not about advocating for this. It's not about this. He says, my, the foundation, righteousness and justice is the foundation of my throne. He, he pulls them all together. And listen to me, Central, we're not right here. We're not, we're not left here. We are kingdom here, and we will be about justice. We will advocate for those who cannot speak up for themselves, but we will also be about righteousness. We will also be about preventing ourselves from being polluted by the world because God's word invites us to that. It sets a standard, and we will adhere to the word of truth. Let's pray. Well, God, we just thank you for your love, for your justice, for for being kind towards us. We thank you, God, for your word. And God, I pray that you'd help me and everyone listening today to gratefully receive the truth that saves us, God. We're we're saved. Our our faith is sparked as we, we hear your word. And God, I pray we'd be people who humbly accept the truth that confronts us. Because sometimes, God, uh, you know this more than anyone, that, that sometimes when we read your word, it, it just stings a little bit. And it's contrary to our natural thinking. God, would you help us to be humble enough to say, I'm going to receive that and I'm going to do it. 
And God, would you help us to intently embrace truth that guides us? Because God, in your word, there is life and freedom. And God, you came to set captives free. So God, would you help us to walk, to live, to make the attitude choice, to choose to abide in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.